0: This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Remember, coming up tonight right here on 98.7 at 6.30 p.m. is when coverage gets underway. It'll be the Knicks. Bing, bong! The L.A. Clippers. As They got a couple of home games here this weekend at the world's most famous arena. And the gentleman who will be on the microphone like he is each and every night, it's our good pal, the voice of the Knickerbockers, and my dear friend, Ed Cohen. Eddie, thanks for getting up early, buddy. How are you? Oh, Dan,
1: thanks, man. Now 10 o'clock is, is nothing for a dear friend like you.
0: <laughs> yes. Well, you got to get up earlier. You got to, you know, get the coffee going. <laughs> you got to, you know, warm up and all that stuff. It's no different than a player. You know, you got to get your pregame in there. So I appreciate it regardless. Let, let, let me ask you this one because I didn't do the game um, Thursday night that went over the Miami Heat. From your vantage point in the arena, when Tyler Hero lets that one go in the corner, Did it look like it was dropping down? Because to me it looked like the ball was in the air for about an hour and I just had a bad feeling the whole time.
1: I'll tell you what, Dan, and and you know this because you've been in that spot in the Marty Glickman Memorial Radio booth where you probably sit. You've got a great view right there in the left corner as he's fading away to his left near the baseline. Uh, It was a great look. And, yes, I think the feeling in the garden was, I said this on the air, nobody was sitting standing with about two minutes to go, and they finally got out of their seats with about 50 seconds left, and there was a real nervous energy in the building, just knowing how so many games have gone down to the wire this year at the Garden. And, yeah, the Knicks made some great plays down the stretch, and conversely, the Heat, with 5.9 seconds to go, still had a chance to win the game when trailing by five. So the collective angst, you could feel it. That ball did feel like it was in the air for over an hour, But thank goodness they held on because once it's all said and done, uh, it was a much-needed win and probably one of the Knicks' best wins so far this year.
0: Absolutely. When you consider, you know, without Jalen Brunson, of course, and against a team that's immediately ahead of you in the standings, and you're just trying to make small gains this year, right, and try to improve as much as possible. And that's, you know, we're a couple of weeks away from the All-Star break. So, I mean, technically we're past the halfway point. We're, you know, at least a little further into the second half of the season officially, 50, what is this, 53 games into the season. If you take a step back right now and evaluate what this club has done up until this point, 28 and 25, what would you say the synopsis of the season has been in your estimation?
1: Yeah, Dan, I think you have to go back to November really and and into early December, uh, right? And I think if you look at some of the, the sequences throughout this year when things really weren't looking good for the Knicks, you think about that lost Oklahoma City in November. They give up 145 at the Garden. I mean, the Tom Thibodeau coach team giving up 145 points in regulation at home seems unheard of. And they go out west. It's a five-game trip. A lot feels like it's on the line as they head west, and they go 3-2 and two on that trip. That was a big turning point. Uh, they won eight straight later on, but then they lost five in a row. You know, they won seven of eight. They lost four in a row. So I think it just shows... The margin for error still with this roster, um, it can be slim at times, and yet they play so hard when they're at their best. It's when they're defending with consistency. And I think if that's the blueprint, yeah, you're going to be in a lot of games more often than not. But I think that's been the big story. It's a resilient group. Uh, They've gotten a lot out of this team. I think Brunson's been the huge X factor. And then you look at the All-Star, and Julius Randle has – found a way to adapt and coexist with the best point guard he's played with with the Knicks. And if you look at his scoring numbers, at least, and his rebounding numbers, they're what they were two years ago when he was most improved. Yep. But it's the efficiency, it's the decision-making, and it's the fact that he's been able to balance having other guys around him now and differentiate his game. Uh, that's been one of the big stories of the year, no question.
0: And I th- and you're right. Statistically speaking, there isn't that big of a difference. Maybe the shooting numbers are off a little bit too. You know, from three-point range specifically there. But I-, I personally think he's been better than he was two years ago. And, and, you know, maybe because this is the second time and really the season that he is coming off of. Because, I mean, Ed, remember, there were some doubts heading into the summertime, right? After the year that he had last year, you know, the body language wasn't great. And we kind of wondered, you know, w- what's going to be the end game for him here in this city with this organization? And for him to bounce back like he has this year earned an all-star spot, deservedly so. I think it's a testament to him and really the entire organization. And he gave credit to a lot of people in the organization for really helping him through a tough time last year to getting him back to where he is now, which is one of the best players in the Eastern Conference.
1: Yeah, he had a really good summer, Dan. And he spoke about it the other day in saying that he kind of got away from basketball for a couple of months. I think in hindsight, and it's not something you'd really talk about in the moment, but in hindsight – Last year, he just looked a little fatigued, right? He said this year he's in the best shape of his life. Last year wasn't that he was in bad shape, but you're coming off a season in which you've been asked to do so much. You are second-team All-NBA. You're playing into June, which is great to say. Normally, you know, they lost in the first round to Atlanta, but the fact is you go from June to October, even for the great players. LeBron James has spoken about this all the time. You know, those finals runs physically – take a toll on you and not to compare the Knicks going out in the first round to making the finals. But the fact is it was a short summer. There was a lot going on. The expectation level was doubled because of the season that he had. And I just think whether it was fatigue, mentally, physically, it didn't lead to the year that he had. And I think to just get away, have a normal off season, really rethink about your role with this team and know that, Hey, you don't have to do it by yourself every time down the floor. You've got a great point guard to play with now. You have other parts that you can work with. I think the decision-making has been better. And just that realization that, listen, I have other guys around me. I don't have to do this by myself. It's really led to a remarkable turnaround. We said that two years ago, yeah. but we're saying it again. And the hope is that we don't have to do this every other year, that this can be a place Julius Randle's at every single season.
0: Yeah, and the other thing about a couple of years ago, too, you know, it was the COVID year. You had empty buildings for the most part. So, for him to be able to bounce back and do it under normal circumstances, it showed you that it wasn't a fluke and that, of course, the ability and the talent is there. And the Knicks, you know, were benefiting from it there as well. And you mentioned Brunson. I mean, you know, what more can you say? And You know, there was a lot of talk over the summertime as to whether or not, you know, what he did in Dallas was going to be able to translate here to the big city. And for him to really be able to run a team for the first time in his NBA career, you know, apart from somebody like Luka Doncic, who he was, you know, sharing the spotlight with to a degree uh, in Dallas there. So for him to deliver like he has this year and look. There are only so many spots to go around. He was very deserving of an all-star recognition. It didn't quite happen for him. But my goodness, has he been everything and more than what this team could have hoped for as far as trying to find a point guard, which has been a long time coming, my friend.
1: No doubt. I mean, think about the decades of looking for the right guy, Dan, and thinking that the Knicks had that guy and realizing, you know, maybe this isn't the right fit. But to your point, I mean, you go back to the playoffs last year and – Look, Jalen Brunson, the Mavericks, had multiple opportunities to bring him back and try to find the right deal for him, and there was that hesitancy, if you will. Uh, Is he the right guy next to Luka Doncic? We don't think he's the lead guy, obviously, because we have one of the top players in the NBA. And it's amazing how in a three-game stretch in that first-round series against Utah, you can play that well and basically earn a contract and solidify your standing somewhere else. Uh, But even with that, there were still some questions. You're putting the ball in the guy's hands and saying, we're going to use you in ways you have not been used yet in your NBA career. And I think the Knicks knew what they had, but if anyone said we knew it would be this way for the first 53 games of the season, he'd be this good. uh, I don't know if you'd necessarily have gotten that answer in September, October. Um, He's been special to watch. I mean, he just figures ways – to impact games, especially late. And, you know, it's hard to kind of analyze leadership because you don't really know, but just being around the team, Dan, you see the way he interacts with people. He understands kind of the pull that he has within the group and the people around the team, that he's someone who people do look to to kind of be that leader and that guy. And he does it in subtle ways. I don't know if he's a rah-rah guy necessarily, uh, but he is a leader, I think that's for sure, and he's made uh, just a massive impact on the team on the floor, I think in the room, it's, it's been a lot of fun to watch so far.
0: I haven't seen anything, by the way, as far as his availability for tonight. Do we know if he's a go today yet or not?
1: I saw questionable, which, questionable which makes still. sense, given that we'll probably learn a little bit more as we get closer.
0: No doubt about it. We're talking with Ed Cohen, voice of the Knicks here on 98.7. Coverage begins at 6.30 tonight. They got the Clippers, and then Philadelphia is in tomorrow night. Um, you look at the schedule here before the All-Star break, Clippers, Philly, and then at Orlando, at Philly, Utah and Brooklyn at home, and at Atlanta. You got a couple of tricky ones in there, but also some winnable ones there as well. You know, this team's in a good spot right now, but you still think that there's still some more meat on the bone. That's how I look at it. And, you know, you got to be realistic about, you know, where they stack up in the conference and the pecking order and that sort of thing. But you still think that there is some room for improvement with this club, and I think going into the break on a high would certainly send this club off on a nice little stretch here over the final, you know, what, 20-plus games of the season after the All-Star break.
1: It's amazing. I mean, you look at the schedule, the All-Star break will be at 60 games. You come back from over a week off, It's a 22-game sprint. And, look, you've got Boston a couple of times. You have Miami three times after the break. You're facing teams who you're going to be fighting with for a spot in the top six. You know, Boston's up there, but Miami certainly. Those are huge games for the Knicks. And, yeah, I think going back to last year, you know, and not to play revisionist history, but Mm -hmm. if you look back at last year, the Knicks were kind of in the mix, kind of weren't. But the, the three games leading into the All Star break were tough, tough losses. And, and I think in many ways, it was hard to really get back into being competitive and being in the mix when they came back from the All Star break. Those three losses really hurt. Different story now. I mean, they're three games over 500, but the point is, you want to get some momentum going into the break. And the schedule's not easy. I mean, you go from Miami which allowed the second fewest points in the NBA entering the other night to the Clippers tonight, they allow the third fewest points in the league. And the Sixers allow the fourth fewest, and they're on deck tomorrow. But I think what was positive about the Miami win the other night is the Knicks were able to win a game 106-104. With the prior eight games, I think they were allowing close to one twenty-two per game. So they shifted things based on their opponent and were able to win a defensive struggle. And they're going to have to do that more and more because the games will be tighter I mean, teams will start to ramp up for the playoffs, and you're not going to have games in the 120s around the NBA in those weeks leading up to the final game of the regular season. It's going to get tighter and harder. Um, mix are trying to get to a spot where they're in the mix. And, and the other part, too, is you're probably not going to have Mitchell Robinson back before the All-Star break, but yeah. at some point, he's going to return from the thumb injury, and that's going to change everything. Uh, right now, they're just trying to tread water without him. And if you look at what they've done without Robinson this year, I think there's seven and eight without him. Uh, look, if you can go 500 without a vital piece to what you do defensively, uh, that's really important.
0: No doubt about it. And look, in an ideal world, and probably Tom Thibodeau would be the first one to tell you this, you go back to that eight-game winning streak that they had in the month of December, I mean, that was probably – best they were playing defensively all year like during that stretch and I don't know how realistic it is to duplicate that again you're going up against some good teams as we said the rest of the week here but if you can bottle that and maybe just sprinkle it the rest of the way I'm sure the Tibbs would probably be satisfied given the absence of like you said the all-important rim and paint protector in Mitchell Robinson who you know we just don't know how much longer he's going to be out but they could certainly use his presence
1: no question and look I think the Knicks under Tom Thibodeau, Dan, if you look at their numbers the last three years, the paint defense has been at the top of the NBA, and that really hasn't wavered all that much. Even when Robinson was out the first year, and New Orleans Noel was the starting center, and Robinson played 31 games in the pandemic year, but their paint defense was strong throughout. Um, the problem this year, which they really turned around, as you mentioned on that eight-game winning streak, was – defending the arc and defending the three-point line. The percentages have been great, but it's the volume and the amount of open looks that they give up. And I think that really improved during that eight-game run. It's tailed off a bit, but what you've seen the last couple of games, especially Emmanuel quickly, the impact he makes on the perimeter defensively with his closeouts. Quentin Grimes, I mean, he's asked to do so much when he's guarding the other team's top player, but you trust those guys in terms of shutting down the arc. And I think over time that needs to stay consistent, but that's been for the most part an area of improvement as this year has gone on. And you couple that with the rim protection, when Robinson comes back, that's gonna be the key down the stretch.
0: No doubt about that. Clippers tonight, Sixers tomorrow, both at MSG. Our coverage begins at six thirty tonight, right here on 98.7 ESPN. Busy couple of evenings here for our buddy Ed Cohen. Appreciate a couple of minutes, my friend. Have a great call tonight, and uh, we'll catch up soon.
1: Dan, always. Thanks, guys.
0: All right, you're the best. There's Ed Cohen, radio voice of the New York Knickerbockers. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We'll finish out your basketball calls. And also, got to switch gears and talk a little NFL. Are the Jets possibly getting ready to go car shopping? We'll talk about it. Dan Grosser, show till noon right here on 987 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. On this Saturday, thanks to Eddie Cohen for hopping on, as always, one of the greats. 800-919-3776 is our telephone number. A lot of football going on, even though there's no game this week. i do not counting football game, sorry. Uh, but a week from tomorrow, we get the game, Super Bowl 57, Eagles-Chiefs. Plenty to say as far as that's concerned as we move uh, on through the next coming days here. But in the meantime, you know, who's to say – that we won't get a little bit of clarity as far as the Jets are concerned and their search for a new quarterback. And the acquisition of a veteran, whoever that might be, whether it's Aaron Rodgers, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo, Derek Carr, you name all the usual suspects that have been bantied about. But it was funny because Derek Carr is at the Pro Bowl in Vegas because of the different guys that have dropped out of the game. Well, it's not even a game. It's just like, you know, activities more than anything. It's like a gathering. So Derek Carr is there, and he was taking part in some of the competitions and whatnot that they were having the other night. So he talked to ESPN's Ryan Clark after he got done doing his throws, and he had this to say, which was kind of funny. Listen, Derek, you've thrown touchdown passes in Vegas before. You've been on fire. Have you ever been that hot in Las Vegas? Not that hot. It's probably why I'm going somewhere else. (laughs) See, Derek Carr's got a good sense of humor. Right? He's got a good sense of humor. He's a funny guy. We like funny. We like sense of humor in this city. I think he's a perfect fit. Sign him up. Well, we all know about what it's going to take. I mean, we've discussed it as far as the dollars and cents and the money and that type of thing. February the 15th, which is 11 days from now, that is when the Raiders and Derek Carr have to come to some sort of a mutual understanding as to what his future is going to be. Now, does that mean he's going to be traded? Does that mean he's going to be released? We know that he's not going to be wearing a Raider uniform next season. So what's the alternative here? Are the Raiders going to be able to find a taker by then? And for those that are just joining the conversation now and really haven't been paying attention and don't really follow the ins and outs of the NFL, the February 15th deadline is important for Carr because that is when his contract becomes guaranteed. All right, He's still owed close to $48 million over the next couple of seasons. Close to 33 this year and only seven and a half in 2024. The cap hits, though, are pretty prohibitive. 33 million in 23, 42 million in 24, and then 41 and change in 2025 because you spread out the bonus money. Right, it's a lot of money that you're going to be paying out there. But Raiders don't want to get saddled with that. And why should they? He's not going to be their quarterback. So they're going to have to decide... In the next week or so, what's it going to take? Now, Adam Schefter was reporting yesterday that the Raiders have given permission to Derek Carr's camp that they are allowed to speak with said team, whatever that would be, if said team is able to come to an agreement with compensation towards the Raiders. So really, it's kind of empty permission. And it really doesn't ring true because what good is it if the team does not work out trade compensation with the Raiders? So who cares if you're talking to him or not? You have to get by the club first. So it's still a wait-and-see proposition about Carr. Now, you know all about Derek Carr. He's experienced, right? He's got that going for him. He's put up the numbers. Turns the ball over a little bit too much for my liking personally. If we're just, you know, being honest with each other right now. And he's had to deal with a situation in Oakland and Vegas that hasn't exactly been the epitome of, you know, what you would like to see. It's kind of been hairy. You know, I mean, shoot, they packed up and moved the franchise, which is always going to bring about some sort of contentiousness. And for whatever the reason, you know, things just didn't work out. They didn't see eye to eye, he and Josh McDaniels. And that's a little bit of a red flag. Now, I understand that Josh McDaniels has had a long career in this league, primarily, though, as an offensive coordinator and as a play caller under Bill Belichick. But as a head coach, Josh McDaniels has left a lot to be desired, has he not? You know, his first in with the Denver Broncos, this past year with the Raiders, he's not exactly headed to the Hall of Fame yet as a head coach. And I know that someone's genius and someone's stock can get inflated, for when a lot of years he's working for one of the greatest coaches of all time and he's getting to call plays for the greatest quarterback of all time, right? I could sit there and do that. And I would be termed the genius if I was calling plays and I had Tom Brady as the one out there executing them for me. X's and O's, Jimmy's and Joe's, that whole type of debate back and forth. But it does kind of make me inquire about the fact that if Josh McDaniels doesn't want any part of Derek Carr. Why is that? Right? Like, doesn't that send some red flags a little bit? If it's not good enough for McDaniels, and look, Derek Carr is not a bad guy. You never hear anything about Derek Carr off the field. So if McDaniels wants to move on and find another quarterback, despite you had one right under your nose, who, by the way, the organization paid a hell of a lot of money to, did they not? A lot of money to Derek Carr. If you wanted to kick him to the curb in less than one year, well, what does that say about things? Why should we then look at it as, oh, he's the right answer. He's the right fit. Doesn't that kind of just bring about some curiosity? And look, Derek Carr, never been a real good cold-weather quarterback, which... Hopefully you're not going to play games on days like this where it's four degrees. But it's not exactly 75 and sunny in November and December in these parts when you got to play. And so he's going to have to get used to that if you bring him over here. First and foremost, I think that if you're the rest of the league and you can read the tea leaves and know what's going on with his contract situation and that February 15th deadline, I don't know why you would give up anything for him, to be quite honest with you. Because when push comes to shove, you know that the Raiders are going to have to cut him loose because they don't want to get tied down to all that money. Now, you also run the risk, though, if you don't work out a trade, that some other team could swoop in there who's desperate and decide we want to get our hands on this guy as much as humanly possible then we're going to give up anything that the Raiders want. And then you risk losing him there. Okay, that's one. And then you have to kind of make peace with that if you miss your guy. But you have two other options there. Rodgers we've talked about constantly and Rodgers was having some fun on the golf course this week at Pebble Beach you know and kind of told everybody he's not going to San Francisco which we knew because the Packers said that they're not sending him anywhere in the NFC and the Nathaniel Hackett situation you put two and two together and you think that that's going to be the perfect fit because Rodgers spoke so highly of Hackett during their time in Green Bay but it takes two to tango and there's a lot that's going to have to go into it there and then you have Jimmy Garoppolo of course and Jimmy Garoppolo is somebody who is just a free agent. It's just going to cost you money. And I know a lot of people throw cold water on Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, uh, you know, well, maybe he's not the best fit. You know, he, you know, he does have injuries that work against him. That's true. You know, Garoppolo, it seems like every which way you turn, he's hurt. Just like what happened to him this year, whether it's a freakish injury or not. You know, the guy just can't seem to stay on the field. But you know what Jimmy Garoppolo is? Jimmy Garoppolo's a winner. When the guy plays, more often than not, your team is going to have success. As a starting quarterback, he's 40 and 17 in the regular season, 4 and 2 in the playoffs. So 44 and 19 as a quarterback in the NFL, as a starter. That's pretty good. If you do some quick math now, he started 63 games, he's won 70% of his games. 7 out of every 10. If you're a Jet fan, would you sign up for that? Winning 7 out of every 10 games, I think you would. That's good if you could get it. You know, in a perfect world, if you make the playoffs and go on a deep playoff run, that equates to about 20 games. So would you sign up winning 14 out of 20 games, including, you know, three postseason games, given where you've been for the last dozen years? Yeah, I think that's pretty good too. And you get to hang on to all your draft choices just free agent, just money. We're just going to find cap space for him. we got going to find cap space for anybody, some more than others. You know, the good thing about the Aaron Rodgers situation with the contract, the cap hit for Rodgers is only $15.8 million for 2023. Now, Woody Johnson's going to have to write him a check for $60 million bucks. That's how much Rodgers takes in in 2023. It's all guaranteed. So he's going to have to make peace for that, but he's got the money. But as far as what it's going to tax the Jets on the cap, just under 16 mil, not too shabby. It really and truly isn't. But I want to hear from the Jet fan. Right now, you know, look, we've been into this process now for a couple of weeks. You know who the play caller is going to be. You know who the usual suspects are at quarterback. If you had your druthers right now, and all things being equal, who's the guy you would go after? 800-919-3776. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Talking football. Dan Grasse's show. On a Saturday. It's cold outside. 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Gross' show on 98.7 ESPN. I hear this music. I really, really wish there was a game today. Like, uh, multiple games. I miss football already. That's why I said last week it, it's so bittersweet on Championship Sunday because that really and truly feels like it's the end of the football season because the Super Bowl is just not a, a normal football day like we know it all throughout the season. It's, it's, it's like a party. Plus, you have the one-week interruption like today. So it, it's just like it feels like it's done. What
2: the it. hell's going on out here?
0: Exactly, Vince. Exactly the Show here, 98.7 ESPN. That is the telephone number. A um, little bit later on in the show, because we're going till noon. A little bit later on, I'm going to replay some of the conversation that I had last night, in, in case you missed it, with Jeff Lagerman, who was a former New York Jet, first-round pick back in the day. He was a good Jet. He really was. And then he moved on to Jacksonville, signed with the expansion Jaguars once upon a time, and he hasn't left Jacksonville since (laughs) because as soon as he retired, he went into the booth uh, doing their radio games, and he's been there ever since. And he's really, really knowledgeable, of course, when it comes to the NFL and, you know, breaking down tape and, and so on and so forth. And I had him on the show last night because, you know, with this hire of Nathaniel Hackett, once upon a time, the best job that Nathaniel Hackett did as an offensive coordinator in the NFL, Colin Plays was with the Jaguars in 2017 when they went to the AFC Championship game and they had a top 10 offense. And his quarterback was Blake Bortles. And they made it work. And they came this close to going to the Super Bowl. They should have went to the Super Bowl. I I still can't believe they lost that game in Foxborough. They had a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter. Got hosed by a bad call by the officials on that Miles Jack play with the fumble. Um, But nevertheless, I wanted to have Jeff on because he saw it up close. You know, I wanted to get some more info for the fans. Why will it work with Nathaniel Hackett? And Jeff couldn't have had better things to say about the Hackett hire and what it's going to mean for the Jets. So we're going to turn some of the, uh, those comments around for you a little bit later on in the show and have them for you uh, before we say goodbye here. But let's get back to the phones, 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. James in Spring Valley up next here on 98.7. James, good morning. How are you? My man, Dan Grosso. What's going on, man? What's going on, man? James, talk to me. What's the word?
3: Of course, of course. Big shout out to the company right here. Secondly, I gotta talk about this whole Kyrie situation. I know I got some friends that are Nets fans, and you know, and it's kind of funny. As a Knicks fan, it's kind of all this dysfunction. But you look at the Nets, and it kind of looks like on um, the circus. So the big ringleader is Kyrie Irving, and obviously, Kyrie Irving. Um, when you think he has nothing to say, he's gonna say a lot of idiotic things. So my question is: Do you think it's realistic? him to get traded at the deadline, Deadline. let's just say he gets traded or he leaves, what is the most logical place for Kyrie's talent to go if he's not going to be with the Nets? And the second part question, what happens with KD? Because I feel like KD is the whole wild card in this situation.
0: James, I think the most logical place, and I thank you for the phone call, it's not even so much the talent, it's going to have to be a place that A is going to welcome him in. First and foremost, it's the Lakers. It's the Lakers and there's everybody else because of the LeBron James factor. And remember, Kyrie was kind of nosing around over the summer about possibly going to the Lakers. Remember, there were these reports that he picked up the phone and started to re-engage LeBron James like he had this epiphany that, you know what, maybe things were a lot better once upon a time than they are now. And maybe I screwed up by trying to get away from LeBron when I wanted out of Cleveland back in the day. But the reason why they couldn't make that work is because the Lakers couldn't offer Kyrie what he wanted to get financially. I think it was only like the mid-level exception or whatever, and Kyrie's not going to take a pay cut. Hell no. That's why we're in this situation that we are right now. So it would have to be under those circumstances. LeBron would have no problem welcoming him in. And as far as the KD part of his concern, look, I've raised that concern here over the last couple of nights or couple of days. I don't think personally that the Brooklyn Nets are ever winning a championship with Kevin Durant as the focal point. They're not. Too much has gone on already. I would not be opposed to just blowing the damn thing up at the end of the year, but I do not think that KD is going to be standing there on the podium in Brooklyn, you know, hoisting the, what is it, the Larry O'Brien trophy or whatever for the Brooklyn Nets. It might be as another team in Brooklyn, but it ain't going to be as a Brooklyn Net. it's, It's done. It's time to change it around. You gave it a good ride. It didn't work out the way you wanted to. I know that there were some bad luck and some weird circumstances and all those other things, but you know what? Enough is enough. It's like if you owned a house and you're an apartment or whatever, and you moved in and you've lived there for five years, which is as long as you know the Nets have been together with this group, and, and just things that are out of your control, right? Like let's say there was like a natural disaster or something. You know, the electricity kept going out. You had the leaky roof. Just every, you know, you had noisy neighbors. Whatever it was. Things that might have been out of your control, but there comes to a point where you say to yourself, we just got to get the hell out of here and we got to move. That's what it's like for the Nets right now. I don't care how comfortable one of the rooms might be or how great of a view one of them might have, just like Kevin Durant. I don't care how great of a player he is and all that. It's sometimes it's just not worth it. The juice ain't worth the squeeze. And I think that that's what's happening with Brooklyn. I would cut bait and move on at the end of the year. Blow it up. Because Kevin Durant's going to be the guy that is going to, if you do move on from him, he's the guy that's going to get you enough in return to be able to kickstart this rebuild. And you have to maximize it. Steven, New Jersey's up next here on 98.7. Stevie, good morning. What's up? What's up, my man? All right. So on the Jets quarterback topic, I think it's a no-brainer. You
3: got to go for Derek Carr. And I'll tell you why. So I'm looking mm-hmm. at personal stats right now. So if we look at personal stats. His stats are through the roof. I mean, in nine seasons... He's thrown for almost 36,000 yards, 217 touchdowns, and 99 picks, okay? Now, if you look at wins and losses, of course he hasn't been a winner, okay? He's had eight head coaches, well, seven head coaches, one interim coach last year in nine seasons, okay? He's missed one game in nine seasons, okay? And that was the year he was almost MVP. Oh, he had the
0: broken leg, yeah.
3: Right, the end of the year, right on Christmas I Eve, yeah, uh-huh. and he, and he had a great year. He yeah. could have
0: won MVP that year. Yes. Yeah.
3: Now, now, throughout those eight seasons prior to getting Devonte Adams this year, who was his best wide receiver ever? Michael Crabtree. I mean, the guy's never had anybody around him. Not to mention, over if you if you look at the last nine seasons, okay, their defense, the Raiders' defense, overall defense over the Horrible. last nine seasons, thirty first in the league. I mean, how, Jesus Christ can't come down and play quarterback for you and win, win games, He'll take you to the playoffs, let alone. If you give this guy a decent a decent defense, okay, which the Jets have a way, much better than a decent defense, they have a great defense, and you give him some decent young young studs around him and a decent O-line, he will take you to the playoffs. He's, and, and, and the locker room loves the guy, okay? that And then you were talking before about McDaniels, the possible red flags. Listen, I've been a Raider fan forever. Mm-hmm. I, I think McDaniels is the worst coach we've had in the last probably 10, 10 years. I, what has McDaniels ever done without Brady? What has Belichick ever done without Brady? I don't no, you're, you're right. Steve, Steve, I'm with you. Belichick. I am
0: Steve, you and I are speaking the same language about Josh McDaniels, and I thank you for the phone call. And, and, look, McDaniels had all these offers. Remember, he had that weasel move that he pulled with Indianapolis where he took the job and then woke up the next day, yeah, you know, sorry, I'm going back to New England, and, and pulled out of Indianapolis – because he's smart enough to realize, hey, the longer I stick around New England, which is a, a a winning program, I'm working under the arguably the greatest coach of all time. I'm calling plays for the best quarterback of all time. Anybody's going to look like a genius, and his stock just kept going higher and higher and higher and higher to where he was able to pick and choose the spot that he wanted to land up on, and you know he chose Las Vegas for whatever reason, and he chose the Raiders. But there's just something off there something off now by the way everything that Steve was saying about Derek Carr about how great he is in the locker room and how much his teammates like him and that sort of thing and I'm not disputing that I'm not and there's some truth there I could say the same thing about Jimmy Garoppolo I can I've had guys tell me guys who shared the huddle with Jimmy Garoppolo some of the terms that they've used to describe him leader accountable and you know what they all tribute that to? Time that he spent in New England with Tom Brady at the beginning of his career. He learned all that stuff from watching Tom. So I've had multiple players swear up and down about what it would be like if Jimmy Garoppolo was the quarterback. Now, players are not always right. And I think that circumstances and right place, right time, that plays into it as well. But... If you're going to use character traits and all those things about Derek Carr to pump up him being a quarterback candidate or the right candidate for the Jets, I think you could say the same thing about Garoppolo, too. We'll keep this conversation going. 800-919-3776. Grasse Show till noon, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grassa Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Dan Gross' show. We're taking it right up until noon. Right here on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, shout out to all my Rutgers peeps who are headed to MSG right now, whether you're on the train, whether you're in the car, whether you're braving the elements. I wish I could be there. Scarlet Knights. There you go. Pump it. Scarlet Knights, the fighting Pikles, taking on Tom Izzo, Michigan State. I really wanted to go so bad. I didn't know the game was this early. I thought it was like a little bit later on in the afternoon or else I would have been there, but... Noon tip-off. I get it because the Knicks are playing there tonight, so they got to get everybody out of there. But this is a big game. I don't like the fact that the Big Ten took a home game away from us, like from you know being at the RAC and putting it in Madison Square Garden. Which to me, you know, say what you want, but it's you know doesn't have the same environment that the RAC does. But nevertheless, got to get some revenge. Lost to Sparty earlier this year in East Lansing. Got to go beat them today. They're wearing the nice throwbacks that I already see posted, which is cool. So go Knights. Can't wait for March to arrive. I think we're going to have a nice deep run in the tournament this year. Second weekend. Second weekend. That's minimum expectations. Let's say hi to Jose in Brooklyn. He's up next here on 9870 ESPN. Jose, good morning. How are you?
2: Good morning. How's it going?
0: What's up, Jose. Uh well I wanted to talk
2: about, you know, the judge quarterback situation. You know, I think, you know, with all the options that they have, you know, just to get all of them out the way, I think, you know, you have you put out feelers for Rogers, but I'm not interested in the drama games if he plays those. And, you know, when you have Carr and Garoppolo, I think those are two very good, you know, choices. I call them one and one A in my book. Um mm-hmm. I'm leaning towards Carr because I think his at his floor, at worst, he could be Kirk Cousins. Or at best, he could be, you know, what Matthew Stafford did with the Rams um, because of the fact that the Raiders were just such a bad organization for him. And he was really, you know, a mainstay that kind of kept them relevant re- relevant with at least two playoff ones where he couldn't finish the first one because it, he got injured towards the end. Um, the next thing I wanted to bring up was um, – the Josh McDaniel situation, because like, I know that there is some concern because he's letting Carr go, But, you know, he also got rid of Jake Cutler and drafted Tim Tebow. And that wasn't, you know, a good move for the Broncos long term. And he was pretty much out within the Broncos where they had to get John Elway to pretty much fix the situation. And that's, you know, that so I'm not really concerned with why McDaniels wanted to let Carr go, especially when you hear the situation was really more about money. They, they, They wanted to pretty much not pay him.
0: But the thing about it, though, Jose, and I hear what you're saying, and I thank you for the phone call. Here's the thing, though, with Josh McDaniels. He had his choice. He could have gone anywhere. And you wonder why he would have picked a place. Now, look, when he took the job, you thought that you already had a quarterback solution in-house with Carr. Remember, he was under contract. He was in no danger of going anywhere. And you thought that this was a guy that you could potentially win with. Remember, they had gone to the postseason, even under their um, interim coach and in Rich Passaccia a couple of years ago. So he was operating in a position of strength. They swing the move to, you know, why would they then go and get a guy like Devontae Adams and make the big, bold move and pay him what he wanted if part of the reason was not to reunite him with his college quarterback and Derek Carr, right? You thought that these two were going to be the tandem for the Raiders for years to come. I just, you know what it is? I just don't trust McDaniels necessarily. But everything that Jose just said about the three quarterbacks, here, here's the bottom line. Here's how we summarize it from a jet standpoint no matter who they pick if it is one of those three guys they're going to be better options than what they've had in house for the last how many years right you can't go wrong either way it's a win 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 situation and so that's got to be encouraging at the very least isn't it john in long island's up next here on 98 ESPN spn johnny good morning how are you
4: good how are you and, and your last point, is I was just going to start off with that. Let's be real, right, as Jet fans, anyone we get is going to be so much better than anyone we've ever had in the last X amount of years, right, especially last year and the year before that, right? So you really can't go wrong. It's a win-win, win, right? But right. When you, when you look at the three, who's the best out of all of them, right? Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. If, if, if he's available, you've got to take a stab at going after Aaron Rodgers, right? You know, Carr, yeah, there might be something there. Jimmy G, you know, he tends to get hurt at times. But if you take a step back and think of what the organization wants to do as well, they're not giving up on Wilson. I don't want to go down that route and talk about that, right? Right? Take that down that Mm -hmm. route. But they're not giving up on him, right? So we have to come to grips that he's going to be on the roster. Who can we bring in that would have an impact on him? And I'm not saying he's the future. I want to win now. And I think what you need to do, win now is Aaron Rodgers, right? But the organization, they're, they're they're hooked with Wilson. So I think that they have to go that route. Carr's not going to cost us any draft picks anyways. I don't think anyone's going to be trading for him. He's probably going to get cut. So, you know, Rodgers is the highest risk because does he want to play? Does he want to stick around, right? That's the other thing, right? So there's risk with each and every single one of them. Um, but I think you've you got to go for the kill shot here with, with – with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he's he's the most superior out of any of them. No it would take you to that next level.
0: Here, Here's the thing, though, Johnny, and I thank you for the call. Each of the three quarterbacks comes with their own particular timetable. Okay? Derek Carr, we're going to know by, like we just talked about, by February the 15th. That's what the deadline is for the Raiders, when he could just be set free, period. That's number one. Jimmy Garoppolo, he's a strict free agent. So free agency begins in the middle of the March. I forgot what date it is when the new league year on the calendar actually begins and when the legal tampering period starts, but it's like the second week of March. That's when you could start to engage Garoppolo. The Packers situation with Aaron Rodgers, remember, June 1, which is a lot later than these other quarterbacks, June 1 is the date where if Green Bay – trades Aaron Rodgers before the 1st of June, they get hit with a $40 million dead cap charge. That's not happening. So that's the other component to this Rodgers thing. Yes, absolutely. Like John said, if you had your druthers out of the three and he didn't factor in money and contract and all the other garbage that comes along with making a choice, just in terms of pure football and pure quarterback play, of course Rodgers would be the guy. He's the pick. But that June 1st is also tricky. And we know so, some, some things happen in the league to where, you know, agreements are made behind closed doors, handshakes under the table, that sort of thing, to where maybe it ain't going to become official, official, official till after June 1st. But guess what? If you are trading for Aaron Rodgers... And even if something is worked out, but it just can't go down until June 1, well, that means Aaron Rodgers ain't going to be a part of the team, ain't going to be a part of the organization, ain't going to be a part of OTAs or any of that stuff until way into the summer period. Hell, he might even miss minicamp. I mean, he'll be there for training camp, but the whole offseason program, he ain't going to be a part of it. And you could say, well, Rodgers, you know, he's he's he knows Nathaniel Hackett. He's going to know the offense. He's going to know all these things. Well, yeah, that's true. But if you really want to go all in and you really want to make this thing work, don't you at the very least kind of want somebody who's going to be engaged with his teammates and build that chemistry because showing up in July for training camp, that might not be enough time. There's a lot of youth on this roster. There's a lot of youth on the offensive side of the ball that's going to be playing with the quarterback. We went down that whole road with Brett Favre once before. It didn't quite work out. It did for a little bit of the season, but then things kind of crashed and burned late. Pros and cons to all this stuff. Joe Douglas and company have some choices. 800-919-3776. we come back, we'll keep this conversation going. As I said, I had Jeff Lagerman on last night, Jaguars radio analyst. Knows all about Nathaniel Hackett. Saw him up close when he had his best season as a coordinator taking the Jags to the AFC Championship game. Shed some light on what type of guy the Jets are getting as the new play caller. We'll get into that and more over the Final 60. Dan Gross' show, 9870 SPN.